What is up? What's going on? Thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome in to episode 63 of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me, as always, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how you doing tonight? Doing all right, Jeremy. It was a uh, it was a rough night for the Venezuelan national team, but other than that, um, I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> we will actually get to that a little bit later on in the show. Um, I guess we'll let the cat out of the bag because, in in the spirit of one of the worst losses in Minnesota United history, which we will also get to a little bit later on in the show, we are going to go down the path of depression and reprise a couple of the worst losses that we have gone through in sports fandom. We're going to each kind of give our top two worst sports losses that we've endured as fans. That's coming up on the back end of the show. And we'll talk about the Minnesota United loss to uh, Colorado in just a little bit. But first, got to let you know that if you have not subscribed to the podcast, please, please do so. Um, Let's you know whenever we drop a new episode and then also let you know when we drop our post loons episodes as well. Uh, Full Minnesota United coverage after every Minnesota United match. I believe we've only missed one game this entire season. So um, we're right there for you after the final whistle on YouTube and Twitter. And then the podcast is up on the podcast feed for 10K. So uh, get subscribed so you know when all of that stuff drops. And also leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you have not yet, please. Five stars, if you think we're five stars. Uh, all right, Dom. So let's uh, let's jump right into this here. Um, spoiler alert, we actually were going to have Chief Good Vibes Officer Ethan Brandt on the show with us this week. But he decided, he went and decided he's going to go to the bar instead. So Priorities, Jeremy. You know, Priorities. That's where we land on the totem pole. <laughs> There might be but, some interesting people to meet at that bar, though. So True. This is the same bar that he saw Ford Madison players at over the weekend. So maybe he can get us like an exclusive, yeah. you know, any sort of yeah. uh, any sort of Ford Madison news. We can maybe we can get the, 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 the scoop on that from Ethan as he, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, uses his connections at whatever bar he's at in Madison, Wisconsin to, to get those. But I mean. And you know, he's he's 21, 22 years old, yeah. and that's probably if I were 21, 22 years old too. So can't quite blame him. But uh, yeah, so no guest. We were planning on having Ethan, but again, we uh, we lost out to the uh, the bar. So that's where we're at. But uh, still got a lot of good stuff to get to. Obviously, a lot of talking points, a lot of soccer news to get to. So let's jump right into it. And and uh, we're gonna kick off like we have uh, in a lot of these episodes. Down, we're gonna start with um with the gophers uh minnesota university of minnesota uh tough loss they were coming off a big 4-1 win over penn state as we broke down last week on the show but they fell three to two at number 25 purdue in west lafayette over the weekend um and this was especially tough because they held a 2-0 lead at half uh goals from sophia bowman and krista van loon which Krista Van Loon is like the best Minnesota soccer name maybe ever. <laughs> uh, just going to throw that out there. But uh, she scored. So via Bowman scored, the the Gophers were rolling as they kind of have been 2-0 at half. But as they say, 2-0 is the worst lead in soccer, Dominic. Yep. Uh, yep. Boilermakers come back scoring the 64th, 71st, and 85th minutes to secure the win. Uh, five saves from Purdue keeper Marissa Bova. So big missed opportunity from the Gophers, uh, a learning experience for this team, obviously. Um, you know, no shame in losing to a ranked team on the road, but the nature in which they lost, kind of having the the win, having those three big points right there in their grasp, really does sour that a little bit. Yeah, and it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because, as you're saying, yeah, you, you're ahead 2-0 at halftime. Obviously, you would expect to get some sort of result. Um, but at the same time, three, two, no matter who's winning and losing, that's clearly a match that, uh, both sides put a lot into and the both sides showed quality. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm sure they'll be disappointed. I'm sure that there'll be some, uh, hard conversations about, about that result. But at the same time, they should probably feel like this is still, you know, uh, symbolic of the path they've been on all season uh the positive momentum and the the talent they've been showing uh to go on the road and and have a close match sometimes you fall on the bad side of those regardless of your quality so you know I, yeah obviously it's not what they would want but i still think all of the the hype that we've been a part of the 
congregation behind uh, this season. I think it's still there um, because they're they're still showing even when they lose a lot of quality live excitement. So we're recording while the Gophers are playing Illinois at Elizabeth Lyle Robbie Stadium. And one of my biggest questions is how do you bounce back from this loss at Purdue? I don't know if you've checked the scoreline, Dominic. Not, but not recently. No. They've bounced back. It's halftime oh. at ELR. <laughs> Four nil go. Oh, okay. <laughs> so a lot of good vibes. And good. Uh, obviously the team came to play at home tonight uh, against an Illinois team who is near the bottom of the big 10 table. So if you are kind of the, the team that we we've thought that Minnesota is you know, one of the top teams in the big 10, really solid squad, really good, strong side. Uh, you would expect to sort of feast on an Illinois team like that. Right. And they have at least so far in the first half four nil, so yeah, it's a good response. Exactly. That's you know, I, I did not, I had, I knew the game was happening. I had not checked the score at all. So, with that in mind, that I, I think that's exactly what we were both getting at in our our original takes from that loss is you know, look, this is a good team. This happens, um, and and what you need to do is just find a way past that. They've clearly done that. Um, and look, as, as much as you can say like, oh, well, they come back and it's against a weaker team. Uh, sometimes that's what trips people up. At this point mm-hmm. results, you use all your energy on that. Next game is when you're supposed to win. A lot of times that's where teams that are good but not necessarily great slip up. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, in that sense, uh, beyond just having a nice scoreline, I think that that shows good mentality with the team, shows that the coach is, you know, keeping them focused and not getting too hung up about maybe a little bit of bad luck in a close match. I also think it shows kind of an understanding of what they have in front of them too. I mean, the the Big Ten Championship itself, the regular season championship, may not necessarily be in in realistic grasp, but you're you're playing for two things. I think you're playing for a to really strengthen and solidify that NCAA tournament resume, but also for seeding for the Big Ten tournament. Right. Um, you want to get a good seed, avoid any play in scenarios. Um, get a good matchup in those in those opening rounds to advance further and potentially have a chance to win the Big Ten tournament title. And if you can go into the postseason on a good run of play, let's say they win these last four games or they get good results out of these last four games. If you go into the postseason, you know, it's all about kind of, I think, peaking at the right time in these scenarios, right? If you can yeah. peak at the right time, if you're the Gophers, kind of go into that Big Ten tournament on a good run, I mean, there's there's no reason to believe that this team couldn't make a run all the way to the uh, all the way to the Big Ten tournament championship. Sure, yeah, and and again, I think that's a great credit to the to that entire team, to uh, obviously a a new coach to have um, the maturity to keep that mentality going, to not get distracted, to say, hey, look, these goals are still there, we can still reach them. We gotta keep this professional. We gotta keep doing what we know we can do. Um, don't worry about what happened last week. We can beat this team. Let's go do that. And, you know, just keep building that portfolio they've been building all season. And, and again, like you're saying, regardless of what happened against Purdue, they can easily put themselves in a good position for, uh, you know, postseason. And um, I, I, I see no reason not to stay excited about their potential. Had to, un- had to unmute my mic there. Uh, completely agree. Uh, I got my kids screaming up in the up in the living room. But uh, yeah, no, I completely agree, Dom. I, I think it's uh, it'll be really interesting to see how this Gopher team finishes out the season. Um, I have no reason to believe that they they wouldn't finish out the season strong, considering um, considering the run they've been on, considering the mentality that we've seen this team have up to this point. Um, yeah, just a, a lot of really good. Uh, really good play from the Gophers, and obviously that's continuing tonight up 4-0 at half against Illinois. It's a little bittersweet for me. I am an Illinois Fighting Illini fan as we will go <laughs> go. We'll go through this later on when we go through our uh, worst defeats of sports fans list. But uh, but yeah, still got to root for the Gophers. We're in Minnesota. Minnesota's a soccer state. The support that this team has had all season has been awesome. So uh, really cool to see them uh, doing big things at home at ELR tonight. Uh, as we record.
All right, really quick, uh, we'll mention this. We won't go too in-depth on this because there are about 12 other podcasts, including Postloons, by the way, uh, that have gone uh, in, in a deep dive on this. But uh, Minnesota United gives up three goals after gaining a man advantage in the second half, one of the most bizarre course of events I've ever seen on a soccer pitch, to be honest. Uh, falling to Colorado 3-1 to one at Allianz, one of the worst losses. I mean, I can remember. Definitely one of the worst losses in Minnesota United MLS history. Um, and there were some bad ones in the in the uh, early seasons, but those were kind of expected. Those were anticipated. Um, this, with this team going up a man in the second half with a 1-0 lead, you do not expect what we saw after, after that happens, uh, losing 3-1 to one to Colorado. And talk about – we talked about peaking at the right time, but this is the opposite – this is the exact opposite of that. You are really on a downswing at the exact wrong time as we get into like the final five or six games of the season here. Yeah, and you know it's funny that you bring up the the obviously the rough start the team had because in a lot of uh, in 2017 in MLS doesn't in, in a way this sort of result feels like the result of that era, uh, one mm-hmm. that just feels silly and unexplainable, um, and of course it's not nearly as acceptable now because of the improved quality in the team and the time they've had to develop uh, the roster. So yeah, it's, it's rough. You know, we talked, um, I think it was the last episode of this uh, podcast. Uh, we talked about just how Minnesota Colorado matchups are always very strange and hyper and, and there's cards and there's goals and there's, you know, unexpected results just every time. And unfortunately uh, happened again yeah. and happened again in Colorado's favor. But yeah, um, always, yeah. always seems to be in Colorado's favor. It's just, no it's what. just a drama filled matchup every time. And, and yeah, a matchup that for whatever reason, Colorado in bad years and good years, years were the bottom of the, of the West years where they're, you know, this year where they're towards the top, they just always end up on, on the dominant side of it. I don't know why I don't, I, I really don't have an explanation for why it always is this way, but happens every time. So you just have to expect it at this point, but the team should be yeah. doing better. Absolutely. I mean, uh, one of the things I have is you negate a really good bounce back performance from Adrian Unu, the DP striker. We talked about him. He was a main focal point of our Minnesota United conversation last week in terms of, yeah. you know, when when are we going to see him? When is he going to get the opportunity to sort of get back in the in the good graces, if you will, or, you know, really show his quality? Well, he did that. He scored in the first, I believe it was first uh, 15 minutes yeah. um, of the match. Um, to give Minnesota an early lead. And usually when Minnesota United gets out that early to a lead, they they keep it and they keep that quality for the rest of the match when they get out on the front foot. Obviously, it was not the case. Um, he had a really good match all match long, but obviously the three to one loss really kind of does uh, does counter um, that performance from Unu. And now you're really clinging to playoff life here. You are absolutely hanging by a thread if you're Minnesota. You're one point clear of Vancouver for that seventh and final playoff spot. And this is not where we thought this team would be at this point. This is not where you want to be. But it's the reality. And you have a pretty tough schedule down the stretch. You play Vancouver. You play Sporting Kansas City. Uh, you have, you go to Austin on Saturday, which I, I know Austin's at the bottom of the West, but they have put together some pretty good home results, similar to Minnesota United in those early years, right? They weren't very good, but they were always competitive and always, you know, you always went to TCF thinking like we could see a win here because this team plays well at home. That's right. kind of Austin. Their uh, Q2 stadium, I think is the name of it. But um, so that's not going to be an easy one, but, I said this on post loons. I'm going to say it now you have to get three points. I think yeah. I don't. I think if you don't get three points on Saturday in Austin against the bottom team in the West, I to me you're not making the playoffs if you can't come away with a win. It's plain and simple. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's what it's setting up to be um, between between the Austin and the Vancouver game. We need serious results, and and I have to you know, I, I I've never been one to get super involved in some of the. Um, like online banter that goes around the leadership of Minnesota United. But if, 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 if they don't make the playoffs this year after the sort of progression it felt like happened over the last two seasons, making the playoffs, getting out right away, and then obviously making that deep run last year, 
I, I really do think that it's it becomes time to have a really serious conversation about managerial positions on this team and and how you know how we're building this roster. Um, it, this season's just been extremely disappointing, um, and it was built up to be something very different. So, uh, I if those two games don't go well, I I don't think they make the playoffs. And if they don't make the playoffs, I think there needs to be really serious offseason discussions around this team. Yeah, this is really sort of the first time where I've kind of been assured in my mind that the uh, the seat is is quite warm. Let's yeah. put it that way. Um, and there needs to be results. There needs to be a run of play. If this team ends up on the outside looking in, I kind of agree with you, Dom. I think uh, I would I wouldn't say I would fully expect to see a changing of the guard, but I, I would find it highly, highly likely that yeah. if this team, the way this roster is constructed, misses out on the playoffs there's the the right the writings on the wall to me yeah so we will see what happens for better or worse with minnesota united like i said saturday night at austin post loons will be on the air immediately following uh the final whistle i believe kickoffs at eight o'clock central time there so a lot of uh a lot of good stuff um i'll, I'll go ahead and move on to the next point on here um which is just a quick Minnesota United note uh, before we move on to uh, like club related news, uh, which that the dark clouds did something, uh, a very interesting collaboration, a very encouraging collaboration that was announced uh, earlier this week on uh, indigenous people's day, which is that they're doing a collaboration with Heartberry, which is a um, clothing and, and, and art um, company, I guess you would describe mm -hmm. them as, um run by uh, uh ojibwe peoples that that live up actually around me um mm -hmm. and uh, they made they made cool stuff clothing and 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 uh, stuff for your phones and you know badges stickers all that, all that kind of stuff accessories mm -hmm. and uh so they're they're collaborating with the dark clouds heartberry and the dark clouds to uh make they're selling a sweater has a, a unique design on it and the uh, yeah, profit the proceeds cool. from that sweater uh, will the, all the pro, all the proceeds will then be donated to the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition, um, and that's for Very sale cool. right now on the Dark Clouds website, and it goes till the 25th of October. So I, I definitely uh, suggest checking that out if anyone's interested yeah. or has a little money to spend. Yeah, absolutely, really, really good cause, and you know, there's been a lot of uh, I think a lot of negative energy around the supporters groups in Minnesota United um lately for reasons that we have discussed and have been discussed at length we don't need to we don't need to go into those or even mention what those are you you know what we're talking about um but but to me this is this is the stuff that that really i mean that that makes a difference right um yeah. when you can um you know spotlight a cause highlight a cause um that that doesn't necessarily get a lot of no. you know a public publicity i guess right it's this yeah. isn't necessarily always something that people are on top of the mind when they think of of causes that they, they can support or or things like that so to put something like this out in the forefront um put a spotlight on it um raise the awareness of it of the need um of of kind of the importance of it i think it's really really cool uh, yeah. so major kudos to dark clouds for a coming up really cool sweater <laughs> like this yeah, thing just looks great. Awesome. go check this thing out uh but obviously uh putting it towards a great cause as well um yeah. so if uh, you have the means check it out and uh and pull the trigger and buy one because you won't be disappointed and i just want to reiterate it. just want to reiterate to listeners just not to make this podcast about something else but i, I just just to emphasize this is a really big issue in this state and, and across the country and um indigenous women are like dramatically more likely to be the victims of sexual assault and human trafficking, even though they make a very small percentage of the population. Um, mm. So and it's a horribly poorly covered issue by yeah. media, by law enforcement. Um, so any, anything that you can do to educate yourself about that or, or help fight it is very important. Definitely. Um, so again, that's the Dark Clouds website. You can uh, follow them on Twitter. Um, you know they're they've been promoting this and uh, just just a great way to help out a, a much needed cause. All right, 
Moving on to Minnesota women's soccer. Uh, we uh, talked about this kind of at length. We did a top five of our names uh, that we thought that Minnesota women's soccer should go with of kind of the, the semifinalists, I guess, that they had. Well, they've since narrowed the names down. So we, we, we each went over our top five. Well, they have narrowed the list down to seven names. And between our lists, Dom, I believe we have four. Yeah, of the so. seven covered, right? I think we had three Arctic. of my five and four of your five. So Arctic Iron, we each had three of the five. Okay, three of the five. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. uh, we each had Arctic and Iron. You had Aurora. I had Red Pines. That's right. Um, that's right. So uh, go back and listen to last week's episode if you want to hear our top five Minnesota women's soccer names. But um, the finalists are Arctic Minnesota, Iron Minnesota, Minnesota Aurora, Minnesota Dark Dark Sky. Wow, Minnesota Dark Sky, Minnesota Foxfire, Minnesota Red Pines, and Minnesota Vortex. So those are the seven finalists. Um, Dom, you uh, in your list had Arctic Iron and Aurora. I believe Arctic was your number one. Um, I had Arctic Iron and Red Pines in my top five. Iron was my number one. So both our finalists are still there. Um, actually all of my top three are still there. I had Arctic three, red pines, two iron one. So, uh, very, uh, very cool to see that, um, there are some similar names to the ones that we had, but also some different ones, dark sky, Foxfire, vortex. People love the Foxfire one. I can't get Mozilla Firefox out of my yeah. head. Though, when I see that. So it just completely I, I throws have, me off. I, I don't know if I can fully support it. If that becomes yeah. the name, I, I don't quite understand the origin of that, but Overall, though, I think the, the 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 seven that made it are all good. Not all of them were in my top five, but um, mm-hmm. regardless, I think this is a very strong list of seven. I, I'm if I had to make it a list of six, I think Foxfire would be the one I cut though. <laughs> I think I would I would go there too. Vortex yeah. would not be too far behind for me personally, yeah. <laughs> but that's where we are with the top seven Minnesota women's soccer names, um, and they will continue down as we move forward here. All right, Dom, I actually got some really good news for you. We're going to be getting some Stimulus Athletic merchandise to rep on the podcast. So we may have to start doing some video, some video uh, content so that people can see the cool stuff that Stimulus Athletic has rolling out. Stimulus Athletic, the title sponsors of 10,000 Pitches. Uh, Don't forget, they have a new retail store opening up in December in northeast minneapolis next to our friends at ninth street soccer and coffee uh ninth street's at 801 south 9th street they have like a bunch of parking at their place so basically just go there park and then go next door to the stimulus athletic store because it's going to be awesome uh got a little bit of a sneak peek this week dom not only is there a lot of cool club and team merch that'll be featured in the store but stimulus is getting in the athleisure game dom and this this stuff is amazing. Like, and I'm not I'm not blowing this out because Stimulus is a title sponsor. I would not. I would just keep my mouth shut if I didn't think it was good. Uh, it was this. This is really nice. It's like you can wear it to the gym. You can wear it out with your friends. You can wear it while you're chilling at home. Like this line of merchandise that they're going to be putting out is fantastic i'm i'm so excited for uh for this to kind of hit the public um so that's incoming we're going to be repping some of that on 10k we'll have uh we'll have have some uh video content available for you to actually see it in action too um but if uh if you're also the coach or uh you run a soccer club whether it's at the youth level the high school level college level lower league level professional level whatever it is um, and you're looking for just just really good quality jerseys, game gear, apparel. Look no further than Stimulus Athletic. Just look at some of the clubs and some of the testimonials that they have at StimulusAthletic.com. I mean, there's a reason why a national team like Anguilla wore Stimulus Athletic during their World Cup qualifiers. Like, there's a reason Minneapolis City, the pinnacle of lower league soccer chooses Stimulus Athletic. And it's not just because Stimulus Athletic is local. You think Minneapolis City would wear jerseys and apparel if it wasn't comfortable and like wasn't 
like high quality and wasn't like optimal for their playing performance, get out of here. Like, there's no way. Uh, knowing the guys at Minneapolis City, they would not. So that's the type of quality you're working with with stimulus, but it's also at very, very affordable prices. Um, so check them out, stimulusathletic.com. Click that design tab, click that get started button and see how Stimulus Athletic can outfit your club with quality game gear and apparel. Um, Jason Mora, the owner of Stimulus, was also on our podcast two episodes back, uh, or maybe three now. I think, no, three episodes. Yeah, because we didn't have a guest last week, then we had Dan two weeks ago, then Jason. So three episodes back now, episode 60, 60 was when uh, Jason was on. So go back and listen to that. Not only is Jason the owner of Stimulus, but he is just kind of a mainstay in Minnesota soccer history. Uh, really, really cool uh, interview with him. So go check that out if you haven't and go check out StimulusAthletic.com if you have not. And if you do go with Stimulus for your team's game gear and apparel, make sure you let them know that it was Jeremy and Dom from 10,000 Pitches that sent you their way. All right, let's move on and uh, talk some more college soccer, kind of our college spotlights here. Uh, we're going to start with St. Thomas. So unfortunately, the Tommy's still looking for that first D1 win. 0-3 start to Summit League play. They've been competitive. Uh, they're playing pretty good soccer, but again, this is that new level that we've talked about. So um, they, they, it will come. Maybe it'll come on Saturday when they're at Western Illinois. Uh, that's a 1 p.m. kickoff before they return home next Saturday to St. Paul. That's October 23rd to take on Omaha. So again, just continuing to reiterate how how massive this jump is for St. Thomas still looking for that first win um not to start the summit league play that they've wanted but this is all kind of a learning experience for these players uh, it's continuing to be at, at this point yeah and like like you said i uh just that, that note you you made i thought it was a good point of have let this be a, a important reminder to people just what these jumps from division to division really are i think sometimes um, just because of the nature of the structure and obviously the fact that you don't regularly move between them, it can become a little ambiguous what the real difference is between a D1 uh, school, D2, and even like the different divisions and within the, the mm -hmm. not the different divisions, the different conferences in each division. Um, sometimes that can become kind of vague. It's kind of hard to tell what that all really means. Um, but this is, you know, a, a great lesson in what that is. It, St. Thomas was a fantastic D3 school. Um, mm -hmm. and they're going to be a fantastic D1 school, but this jumps hard. It's really difficult. There's a reason why it's never been done, right? Exactly. I mean, exactly. And you're, and you're seeing it across other sports too, like St. Thomas's football team, normally super dominant yeah. on the fields. I mean, you're playing a team like Northern Iowa, a D1 team. Like, of course you're going to, I think it was 42 to, to seven or 42 to three was like the final score. Uh, you know, and we're seeing it in hockey too and, and other places. So, um, it's not just a soccer team. It's not just the men's side. It's, it's every one of these uh, sports who are making this jump that are sort of going through this learning curve. And this is, uh, this is the learning curve that has never had to be gone through before. Right. So continuing to take that with that particular grain of salt moving forward, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a few years to get recruits in, to sort of build the roster to a point where they can be continuously competitive um, and, and get, you know, that those first handful of wins, those first several wins in a season. Um, it just takes some time to build that up. It doesn't happen overnight, for sure. Yeah. So uh, we'll continue to uh, keep an eye on, uh, on the men moving forward. Um, women, though, kind of same story in conference play, also winless to begin their first Summit League season. Um, they'll be at home on Sunday, 1 p.m. in St. Paul to take on Western Illinois. Uh, shout out though, on the positive side, freshman Lexi Huber, um, she's from Lakeland. Um, she leads the team with four goals on the year, three in the last five games Dom. So she is really sort of coming into her own against really, really quality competition. And I mean, she's, and since she's a freshman, I'm guessing that she is sort of a D one prospect, right. Who has come into St. Right. Thomas. And so you're seeing that quality sort of bear fruit for the Tommies right away, which is really cool to see and kind of indicates as they get more of that kind of talent in that they'll continue to kind of raise the bar as well. Yeah. And, and it, it even shows that while the results aren't great right now, there are still opportunities for these players to make something of their seasons, which at the end of the day is, yep. is a huge part of what all of this is supposed to be for anyways. 
So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, look, they're not winning the games, but at least there's some some pieces of the puzzle that are falling into place, some players that are making the best of their opportunity, clearly doing quite well in their positions. Um, you know, when you talk to the coaches at St. Thomas, as we did with John, um, you know, what, what they say is that, you know, they're just looking for, for small victories and, and steps up the ladder through the next yeah. couple of years. And, and this is a great example of what those steps can represent. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we'll see how the women uh, finish out their first D1 season. Um, a handful of games left on both sides moving forward here. We are kind of in that final stretch, though. Um, so we'll be interested to see how they if they close out the season. And if the men sp- specifically can get that first D1 win, uh, that would be really cool. All right. Uh, moving down the uh, moving down the ladder a little bit, uh, we always like to feature a Mayak and a UMAC team on each episode in the Division Three realm. Uh, so on the Mayak women's side, uh, we're uh, talking about St. Mary's this week, currently tied atop the table with St. Catherine's, a lot of saints, uh, at the top of the uh, the Mayak table. Uh, 5-1-1 conference record, uh, St. Mary's 11-2-1 overall. Now, again, there are a lot of D1 con- or D3 conferences and a lot of D3 teams, but it just baffles me on the women's side just how little, like, Minnesota, the UMAC, the MIAC at all are represented in these standings on both sides. I believe that there are two Minnesotan teams on the women's top 25 and none on the men's side right now. Um, so, I mean, it, it does, it does, or, or excuse me, it's the opposite. Sorry. None on the women's side, two on the, on the men's side. So it, it does show you that um, it, it takes a lot to get ranked in D3, obviously. Uh, but I mean, I don't see what more St. Mary's could possibly do at this point. 11, two and one overall record five, one and one in the conference, um, moving forward, but, but, um, some individuals who are doing big things for St. Mary's senior Jordan Matthews leading the conference with eight goals, second in the conference in assists with four. Um, and then junior Hattie Falkman right behind her seven goals and three assists on the year. Here's the big one, Dom. And this is like stat of the week, month, year, junior Alexis Nguyen has been an absolute brick wall in goal for St. Mary's. Get this. This is real. I had to like quadruple check this (laughs) and more to make sure it was true. She's allowed one goal in 820 minutes of action. 38 saves on the year. One goal allowed. Unbelievable. Uh, work in goal this is I mean this is yeah. this is incredible stuff Don well and that's the kind of that's the kind of player that helps really create the record we're just talking about uh, yeah. you don't you don't get the 5-1-1 the 11-2-1 uh, kind of record with just having some players that can score a lot of goals you need some solidity in the back um, and that can be hard to find at the college level in general certainly mm-hmm. with d3 level um so I mean, yeah, those are ridiculous stats. Uh, yeah, e- even just for the 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 context of a good team at this level, that's uh, that's almost unbelievable. If you had just told me offhand that I would have assumed that you'd gotten something wrong, <laughs> but I believe that yeah, you exactly. Bet. I was like, wait, but, these, yeah, I was like, yeah, this this, this <laughs> can't be right. This can't be right. But no, it's it's true. I checked the St. Mary's website. I checked the Mayak website. I like you know went through multiple. Yeah multiple channels and it all checks out Dom. So yeah, it's legit. So uh real credit to Alexis there uh, for her work in goal for St. Mary's. And obviously we said it's, it's a direct contributor to them being tied atop the Mayak table right now. Um, they're home against Bethel on Saturday, 3 30 PM uh, St. Mary's located in Winona, Minnesota. So uh, a lot of good things happening there on the UMAC men's side, focusing on Northland this week. Um, they're white hot. They're not at the top of the table. Beth- Bethany Lutheran still um, edging UWS at the top of the UMAC table, which is uh, kind of a, a, a big upset in its own right. But Northland, third in the table and probably the hottest team in the conference right now, five straight wins. Um, and a really cool quote from head coach Greg Gilmore on social media here. Um, so they got an overtime goal to give them their fifth straight win. 
And he's uh, he says simultaneously also giving us the most wins in the NCAA era of the college uh, since 2008. Um, and so, and it's just really difficult, I guess, to track down records and stats and stuff like that before 08. Uh, but there's still almost 10 games left, like seven or eight games left in the regular season. And they've already yeah. got the most wins in in modern school history, I guess is the way we want to, uh, yeah, uh sure. to phrase that. Yeah. Uh, really, really cool. Uh, Greg Gilmore's club doing, doing big things and, uh, you know, peaking when you talk about peaking at the right time with gophers, uh, peaking at a really, really good time. It's keep keeping within, you know, striking distance of the top. Right. I mean, a couple yeah. results go your way. Um, you know, they play Bethany Lutheran tonight, Friday night or this afternoon, I should say, um, that's a six pointer, if you want to call that in, in college. Um, so, you know, you, you get win head to head wins, a couple other results fall your way. You just got to stay within striking distance. And sometimes weird things can happen at the top. Yeah. And, you know, look, Northland um, early in the season, they played both their games against UWS and those games didn't go their way, which, which makes it hard, harder for them to climb up to the top of the table. But at the same time, crazier things have happened and UWS hasn't looked necessarily perfect this year. They've had a couple slip-ups, uh, part of why Bethany Lutheran is at the top. And so, yeah, look, it keeps things interesting. Northland uh, last year had a really, a really good year. And uh, just in general, that's a program that's really started to look quite strong after a couple years, uh, sort of in the mid 2010s where they were uh, struggling, where they, they had pretty rough records. Um, mm-hmm. And and Greg has been a big part of that, um, and he's a he's a great guy. He had, he's interacted with Duluth FC before, and actually his predecessor Joel Person was the head coach of Duluth FC for a while. Um, nice. So yeah, you know, for those that don't know, Northland isn't the name of where Northland is. It's in Ashland, Wisconsin. So it's it's um, a little bit away from the Duluth area, but it's nearby. But uh, yeah, so you know, it's very encouraging for them to to be building up some some real progress and getting some good results and and obviously great to kind of make a little record with that five win streak and uh they'll be bethany lutheran and uws will probably be the real characters of the rest of the season but northland are keeping themselves in the conversation which is you know keeps it a little more exciting to have a three-horse race sort of yeah absolutely um on the playing side shout out to sophomore isaac clark from middlesbrough england uh he leads the team in goals with six and as we mentioned, big one for them Friday uh, at Conference Anthony Lutheran in Mankato. Um, that's a 3.30 kickoff this afternoon if you're listening on Friday. All right. Now is the time, Dom, <laughs> where we've some of the most heartbreaking moments in our lives. But we figure this will provide entertainment for those listening. And that's really all that matters. <laughs> Uh, we will, we will, we will, we will put ourselves through, through a redepression to entertain you all. That's how much, that's how much we love you all who listen to this podcast. <laughs> so here's what we're doing. We're each given our top two most heartbreaking sports fan games, basically the worst losses that we've endured as sports fans in light of one of the worst losses in Minnesota United history, uh, on, uh, on, uh, I don't remember what day that was. I think it was Sunday. Yeah, it was Sunday. Uh, so uh, I don't know who wants to go first. You want me to go first, Dom, or do you want to go first? Um, you can go first. Okay, I will go first. Uh, mine's kind of obvious. Um, it was October tenth, two thousand seventeen. I'll never forget it. Uh, I was in my studio apartment in Loring Park, Minneapolis, screaming my lungs out in a not good way as the U.S. men's national team lost 2-1 to one to Trinidad and Tobago and were therefore eliminated from World Cup qualifying contention. As we know, Taylor Twelman became a meme after the game with what are we doing? He's made a lot of money off that since then, so good for him. Uh, obviously, this loss has sort of even reverberated into some people's current perception of the U S men's national team. Personally, I think they're fine, but you know, you, uh, you lose to Panama and then you, you know, you give up a, a early goal to Costa Rica 
and all of a sudden the sky's falling and people are automatically reverting back to how they felt on October 10, 2017. It's scarred every U.S. men's national team fan probably for life um, until they actually, like, I don't know, win a World Cup, make a World Cup final. I think that might be what what officially sort of puts that puts that uh, behind them. But that is far and away probably the most heartbreaking game I've had to endure at a sport as a sports fan. That was yeah, and there was just such a anything like that ever again. Such a strange like energy around that match. You know, I'm you probably recall, but part of part of what even happened with the U.S. not qualifying with that result also had to do with some bizarre results elsewhere. Yeah. Um, St. Panama won a game through what have late, what has later been remembered as two, a ghost goal that probably didn't go through past the line. <laughs> no. um, and, you know, there was just a lot of bizarre things going on. If the U.S. had tied, they probably still would have gotten the playoff spot um, mm-hmm. with, uh, I think, it was New Zealand, I think, or that, that mm-hmm. they would have had the play or something like that. But... Yeah, so I mean, just a, it's it's kind of the ultimate minnow victory, but but also just the the bubble, the 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 vibrations that come from it, and the way it affected the U.S. and Concacaf for for years to come is is just unforgettable. It's probably going to be a match that people will be talking about fifty years from now for whatever reason. Yeah, and sort of like, and, and you talk about a weird energy around the match. I mean, there was I remember going into the match saying like, I. I I'm I don't have a good feeling about this, but I don't think there's any way we lose. Like right, right. <laughs> you know, we're at Trinidad and freaking Tobago. Like we could play a terrible game and still come away with a win, right? No nope, wrong. Right. So that's what it was though. And uh I don't think anything else will ever compare. Anyways. All right, Dom, you have the floor. Sure. Uh well I'll start with my uh my uh US men's national team match. Oh, uh, it's a little different. They've put us through a lot, haven't they? They have. I don't even, okay. they're not even necessarily my main national team. They still put me through a lot. So that's how much <laughs> they put people through. Um, but, uh, you know, 2014 was one of the more promising World Cup campaigns, I, I, I would say, in, in the history of the men's side, at least in my lifetime or, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, that, that campaign came to a halt with a 2-1 loss to Belgium, um, which, you know, there's been a lot of, a lot of different narratives came out of that result and out of that World Cup. Um, the match itself was a, a, just a chaotic one. I, I don't have the number in front of me. I think Tim Howard made like an insane number of saves, yeah. an inhuman number of saves. Um, Belgium, you know, for, it was a big result for them. Uh, I think when they proceeded to the next stage of that World Cup, it was like the first time they'd done so in, in a considerable amount of time. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris Wondolowski, unfortunately, had a miss that sort of had laid a mark on his his career for a while though i think rightfully so it's kind of moved away from him because he's just, i'm so glad know, i'm so glad yeah. we have we were quick to reaccept chris wondolowski yeah. into the u.s soccer you know yeah. trust tree i guess if you will because yeah, yeah that 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 could have been bad like uh yeah. uh like like missing a goal like that on that kind of stage we have seen comparable things happen to people in other sports and from a personal level from a mental health level it has gotten very bad yeah. like, like after after things like that happen so i am very very grateful that that did not happen to chris wandelowski yeah and, and and i'm sure after that dana it was it was rough for him but you know i think he's just mm-hmm. he's such a veteran of the of the game um at multiple levels that uh, I think, you know, obviously he was able to to sort of figure out how to move on from that. And I think people mm-hmm. have moved on from it. Um, but but again, you know, and, and it, it was a tight loss. It wasn't a, a blowout or anything like that. But uh, it was definitely a, a year where there was a certain energy around the, the national team, around the, the U.S. men. And uh, felt like maybe there was going to be something really big that was going to happen. And uh, didn't quite work out. And that was, you know, it was tough. It was tough to to take at the time. Um, since then, well, I was going to say since then things have gone better, but of course they didn't make the next World Cup. So um, <laughs> I, I guess it I guess it, it proceeded at darker times. But uh, optimism I, I returned. I guess is kind yeah. of maybe the best way. To, yeah, uh, now, to feels like the energy is a little more back now. But mm. 
but after after some way. But yeah, I remember at the time, you know, obviously being very excited about the fact that that we were potentially going to make it very very deep into that World Cup, and so it was it was rough to see that end. Just the fact that they went toe to toe with some of the powers in the in the group stage too. I mean, they were in the group of death, right? Yeah. And you yeah. probably should have beat Portugal. Uh, I will still, gosh, that late Ronaldo goal will just always like be in the back of my mind. Yeah, for people uh, that don't then, remember, I was just sorry, like, for ahead. people that don't remember, the group was Germany, Portugal, and Ghana. I mean, that's a that's a yeah. horrible group. <laughs> that's a yeah. horrible group. Yeah, and there were a lot of people saying like, this U.S. team is as maybe as good as they've ever been, and they may not make, they probably won't make it out of the group. It was kind of like what right. the 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 media kind of constant constant take was um yeah i mean you, you go toe-to-toe with portugal the game against germany meant nothing for either team because they had both qualified at that point but you still i think it was one nil they lost to germany or it was like nil nil draw i can't remember what it was but um you still kind of go toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the world at the time um and so you're feeling good you're playing a belgium team belgium is really good obviously they're the number one team in the world now uh so they have only gotten better since then but they were really starting to show glimpses of of them become being one of the better uh, better national teams at that point. Sure. So it's Definitely. not like you were upset by Belgium either. Like in a nutshell, no. losing two to one in extra time to Belgium is is not necessarily considered a bad loss. But again, the the method in which they lost with all with yeah. the chances they had and. Tim Howard playing out of his mind and and things like that. He really had an opportunity to move on to the quarters there. Fortunately, it didn't happen. But yes, the U.S. men's national team has has put us through some heartbreak. That's for sure, uh, as we both uh, alluded to. All right, my second one is not soccer related, but it is it is still one of the most heartbreaking days of my life. Uh, so. I kind of alluded to my Illinois fighting Illini fandom earlier when I talked about the Gophers playing the Illini tonight. Um, I am a diehard Illinois football and men's basketball fan. I've always, always been growing up. It was kind of in my blood. My mom's the same way. Uh, And so 2005, Illinois was the number one team in the country for most of the year. They had one of the best teams. They've had future pros, Darren Williams, D Brown, Luther Head, like they were stacked. Like this was the year. They even did the thing where they went undefeated the whole year and then they lost the final regular season game. So like the pressure is off. You don't have to keep like right. an undefeated streak anymore. It's like, oh, we got the loss out of the way. Good. Now we can go in a national championship. So you get to the Elite Eight, which is the round right before you go to the Final Four. And they were down 15 to Arizona with four minutes left in the game. To this day, even from a national perspective, it's considered one of the greatest comebacks in NCAA tournament history. They come all the way back to beat Arizona in the Elite Eight to advance to the Final Four. Incredible. They dominate Louisville in the Final Four. And so you go to the national championship where you play North Carolina, who had a handful of pros in their own right, and you come up just short. The 75-70, I think, was the final score. Mm. Um, this guy for North Carolina, his name's Sean May. He didn't do anything after this, but he like I think he scored like 28 points and had like 19 rebounds in the national championship. Like Sean freaking May. Like I can't say his name without the freaking in the middle. <laughs> it's like I don't know if you know anything about baseball, but like Red Sox fans, like Bucky freaking Dent. Yeah, uh, yeah. To the Yankees, it's Sean freaking May for me. Uh, so yeah, that was that was again, you make it all the way to the summit only to get knocked off the mountain right at the top. Uh, so that was an, that was a heartbreaking one for me, 2005 okay. national championship game. But yes, that's my, my, my the closest thing I have to a bad basketball memory simply because it's now a sport I'm super invested in is when the Bucks won the the championship uh well, well wasn't it last season that just happened yeah um, june and and of course i'm a western wisconsin kid that happened to be born into a minnesota sport you know in western wisconsin oh, like no 40 percent of the people in western wisconsin like minnesota teams right that's just kind of a thing that happens and mm-hmm. um and i was like right on the border so it was a lot of people 
And uh, so, of course, my like vague basketball interest was the Timberwolves. And, and that, when I watched the Bucks, when I was like, why didn't I just why didn't I just pick them as my basketball team? Well, I mean, <laughs> in, in, you know, I mean, up uh, until this up until like three years ago, it was looking like yeah. you made the right decision. I mean, the Bucks hadn't done anything. And you're talking at least yeah. in like the early 2000s with the Kevin Garnett teams and things yeah. like that. It's like, oh, I made the right choice. This team's great. They're, they're, Should have played the long game. <laughs> yeah. But then all of a sudden, a guy named Giannis gets drafted for the Bucks, and everything changes. Everything changes. That's how it goes. It's too bad we don't oh, have well. Ethan on. He's a big NBA guy. He could probably provide yeah. a lot of context to that. But anyways. All right. So we're going to put this out on social media at some point this weekend. So be following us at 10K Pitches. Your worst, the worst loss you've ever endured as a sports fan. I'm that sure a lot of yours will be soccer related. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure a lot of yours will be soccer related, but they don't have to be. They can be like mine where it's not soccer related. They can, uh, you know, they, but they can be very much soccer related. They can even be repeats of ones we talked about. Uh, but Dom, I think I cut you off. You still have to do your second one. Oh, yeah. Well, and just a quick note on the submissions. We kind of had a little rule for ours to try to keep them, like, not Minnesota related just to, you know. Yeah, because there are, okay, that's ideas. actually a great point. Thank you for shouting that out. Yeah. There, are, I mean, if you're a Minnesota sports fan, you've been through the freaking ringer, man. Like, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm lucky I'm from Illinois. And really, Minnesota United is the only Minnesota team that I have, like, a huge attachment to. Um, yeah. And I'm already getting glimpses on how they can break your heart. You know, 2019 against the Galaxy and last year against Seattle and this year with everything. Everything. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm starting to get a glimpse of that Minnesota sports fan heartbreak, but uh, yeah, there are so many to choose from. So feel free to go with the Minnesota sports one, but I want to challenge you guys to try to find yeah. one that's not Minnesota sports related. And if it is Minnesota sports, you know, if you have one that's maybe not like one of the main pro teams, if it's a, maybe a college or, or or something, something that we yeah, might like not 90, know about. 98 Vikings, we get it, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 2000, what was it, 2013, 2014? The free the fr frozen game they missed. The, oh, anyways, yeah. I don't want to rehash this what for people, but like maybe try to stay away from the obvious. Yeah, just some. just some variety. Yeah, side. I was, this is going on a tangent, but side note: I there were a couple of years that I basically stopped paying attention to the NFL, and recently I've kind of gotten a little bit back into it, and I'm just getting all this old baggage from being a Vikings fan that I kind of let myself forget of. <laughs> Yep, Every back. game that doesn't go well, I have all these flash. I, I, you know, I can I can hear the hear the games from when I was ten or whatever, and everything was going wrong. But anyways, yeah. So def definitely give us uh, some of yours, but maybe try to think of stuff that uh, not everyone will know about. Um, my final. This is kind of just a, a a free for all, but yeah. So today, what the day we're recording, not the day you're you're listening, the the day before you're hearing. Um, Venezuela lost 3-0 to Chile, and it basically ended our, our our World Cup hopes, which are were admittedly pretty thin, but we're alive. And so just this entire year of us uh, losing most of our games and having almost every important player of ours sick or unavailable every time we need them is is my loss. <laughs> is, there a, a party a kind of feel, is there a party that kind of feels like you've been put out of your misery at this point, though? Like pressure's almost off now? A little bit. A little bit in the sense that it's like, well, you know, I guess this allows us to kind of prioritize long-term planning and, and there's a Copa mm -hmm. America in 2023 and that kind of, you know, kind of look towards the future and whatever. But, you know, it, it's rough only because it does feel like if we had everybody um, we could have that this year could have been very different. But, uh, you know, with, with COVID and just financial issues, just nothing quite, nothing quite wanted to go right this year for uh Levina Tinto so but uh yeah so that literally happened like five minutes before we started recording so that that was <laughs> that was what I could think of that that's what I could think of as as my my other loss oh um, man so I, it wasn't I, that I brought up I didn't have to bring up bad feelings <laughs> the bad feelings were already there yeah. I just sort of I just sort of elongated yeah. them for you when it was one of those games uh, that it wasn't it wasn't even that bad a game it's just our stuff wouldn't go in and their stuff would. And it's just, you know, so anyway. I 
I assume there'll be a uh, lengthy discussion on this on the next Foot v English podcast. Yeah, most certainly. Probably, probably be a negative one, but you know, I'm hope. I'm hope. I'm always hopeful. I'm the optimist in Venezuelan soccer. I, I'm the one that's always just thinking that next time it's going to work out. So, I, I and what I was telling to some people relevant in the conversation is all this is doing is setting up the perfect. Because Venezuela has never been to the World Cup. So it's setting up the perfect first Venezuelan World Cup, which will be 2026 in the United States. So I can there you go. You'll I get to go. go see it. I can go see the yeah, first game. That's, that's perfect. That actually would be really cool. So there you go. Screw Qatar. Awesome. <laughs> would you go as a fan or because you run a Venezuelan soccer site, would you try to get like a, uh, a credential? I would probably try to get a credential and then quietly uh, cheer the whole time. And get kicked out okay. but you know whatever a little okay. bit of both that that would provide you with an amazing story i got it kicked would. out of the press box <laughs> at i don't know uh in chicago or wherever yeah. you know, wherever it is in new jersey i got kicked out of a press box in new jersey cheering for the <laughs> venezuela national team in their first I world guess, cup game it gave me some street cred with, with the supporter base that's for sure oh absolutely Put the just like video yourself getting walked out of the stadium and put it yeah. on the Foot Vang Twitter account. It would just, oh, yeah, oh man, it's all for the clicks, Jeremy. It's all sure. for the clicks. There you go. All right, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, all right, so if you want to hear another semi depressing cast, you can actually, there are two of them on the 10k pitches uh, network right now. The first one is obviously post loons, uh, after the Colorado loss. You can go check that out. Another one, though, is the latest edition of Talk and Flock. Uh, Forward Madison, while they're not officially out of the USL League One playoff chase, they are essentially out of the USL League One playoff chase. They would need to win out, basically, and get a lot of help to get in. So, um, and they haven't scored in like 335 game minutes or something like that. It's been a, it's been a rough couple weeks for the Mingos. Uh, rough end uh, end to the season here, even though there are four games left. Uh, so we broke down the latest loss that essentially did them in, which is a 1-0 defeat up in Foxborough to New England Revolution 2. Uh, so if you want to hear that, me and Rob Chappell from Madison 365, I was actually in my car driving while we recorded that. That was a first for me, Dom. Uh, but uh, yeah, you can go check that out right now. Just look up Talk and Flock wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Dom, why don't you tell the people uh, where they can find what you're doing, what's the latest with the English and whatever else you got going on outside of what we're doing here at 10K. Yeah, sure. Um, so I was, you can find just me on Twitter at DJ Bisonio, B-I-S-O-G-N-O. And that's, you know, there'll be a mix of Minnesota um, related content and then more international stuff. Footve English, um, you can find on, on Twitter, F-U-T-V-E English. Uh, so two E's next to each other. And uh, yeah, going on with that, you know, obviously the, the international window just ended on a, on a, on a a negative note so you know we're, we're dealing with that we're talking about that um venezuelan league is just about to end it's basically it's regular season and there's going to be kind of a playoff system so gearing up for that there's a lot going on with with venezuelan football despite the national team issues and uh it, some it's some incitement you know we got a player back in the premier league with uh solomon rondon joining everton and nice. um and uh, some stuff going on in La Liga and, and MLS. Almost every team now has a Venezuelan player. Very cool uh, to so, have their representation. Yeah, so so a lot a lot of good stuff. Um, just not not today, but um, mm. coincidentally, probably the worst Minnesota United loss I have reference to was the snow opener, which in in which a Venezuelan Joseph Martinez wrote a hat trick against us. But um, and I was at that game. That was fun. I had snow pants on. Uh, <laughs> but uh yeah so that that you know throw back to that but anyways yeah so so that's that's what we're up to that's what i'm up to when i'm not doing this more or less and uh, yeah i encourage people to check it out if for no other reason than to pick up a little bit of mls information every now and then so perfect yeah. All right. He's Dominic Jose Bazonio. I am Jeremy Rushing and follow me on Twitter at Jeremy G Rushing. You can also follow us on Twitter at 10K Pitches. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of 10K. We will catch you next week. Have a good one, guys.